Hey everybody, Dane here. If you're watching this, you probably know who I am from Start Here FM. Obviously, Start Here FM is mostly inactive these days. The podcast does still exist, Start Here Web Dev, and I plan to start posting on it more frequently. In fact, this will be an episode on the podcast as well. So now here's the deal. I've given so many freaking tips. I've gone tip like crazy with you guys over the years. I've even got burnt out from just like focusing on tips, self-development and tips and shit. Like that's fine. And that's cool. But you can only tell somebody how to learn to code so many fucking times. Like, I feel like I've told you guys how to do that so many times. And the method that I've taught the, the ABC method, um, the subconscious learning system, it is the fastest way to learn to code. And I do not need to keep saying it over and over. This channel has many instances of me explaining it. So I want to tell stories. Instead, I'll just explain story. I'll do stories. And I think the first, I'll do it in season. So every season of life will be a different YouTube video or something like that. You know, so before like, and we'll focus on tech, right? Because that's what this channel is focused on. So what's funny is like, there's other stories that we don't need to go into that are more traumatic that happened before I got into tech. So how did I get into tech? Like, how did this whole thing happen? Well, let me touch on that briefly. So you, you see the segue of how we get into this. So, well, first of all, when I went to college, I ended up graduating high school in 2006, going to college um, in Florida uh, and went with a friend of mine and we got an apartment, you know, just the typical college situation started going to class and then got introduced to pills, Oxycontin. And, you know, one thing after another, it just sort of spiraled out of control. And I became a oxy addict. And when that ran out, I became a heroin addict. I've never shot in my arms, completely free of track marks, but I did, you know, sniff it. Um, and when that ran out, we like, it was crazy. It was absolutely insane. Right. It was a little, it was a low point of my life for sure. And when that happened, I basically was living with a heroin dealer, like to get closer to the, the availability of heroin was the most important thing. So I was living with somebody who dealt it, um, shotgun behind the door, you know, the whole deal. Right. And I just wasn't super involved in the dealing of it. I just hung out. It was my house. He, we were living in my apartment we were living in. Um, I just kind of hung out, watched TV stuff, you know, the typical shit. And it was definitely just the dumbest thing ever. And I called my parents and I was like, hey, guys, um, I'm dropping out of college. Come pick me up. And they live in North Carolina. I grew up in North Carolina on the Outer Banks. Um, and I didn't tell anybody, the heroin dealer, I didn't tell anybody. Right. I was like, hey, man, the day they were coming, like hours before, I was like, hey, man, uh, my parents are coming. I made it sound like it wasn't even up to me or something. I was like, you got to go to XYZ's house and hang out there. Um, and that's, and I just basically needed something to get me out of that situation. Cause I was getting so entrenched, deeply, deeply entrenched in that situation. It was getting more and more heavy and more and more terror. Like it, it was just the most crazy thing. Right. And I needed somebody to pull me out of it. So I called and I was like, Hey, can you come pick me up? They did. They picked me up. Um, so I drove back, went back up with them went through the whole withdrawal situation lasted weeks, pretty much like a month. Um, after that kind of tried to get my shit together a little bit. And at that point it was 2008, 2008, uh, financial collapse 
my parents were fairly successful and they owned a plumbing business surprisingly, but it was, you know, North of a million dollars per year revenue plumbing business, but they were over leveraged. They over leveraged their house. They had five cars. They, what that means was they were more successful with credit than they were with cash. They had too many credit based debit. They had too many debts and they couldn't necessarily, if like the business went down, they wouldn't have enough cash to pay for all those debts, all the cars, the house, et cetera. And that was a dumb mistake. And I learned from that mistake for the rest of my life. That's why mostly I focus on cash these days. Now, anyway, the financial collapse hit. We had to foreclose on our house. So we moved to another house and had a, a vacation house we had. That one, we could stay there for five months before that was foreclosed on. It was just like a spot. All the cars got, I mean, it was literally like a nightmare. Like I, when I grew up, we were poor. And then when it, when I got from like 12, when I got to like 12 years old, my dad started having that success. And then when I was like 20, then it all fell apart again. Right. So I was back to being like we were when I was 12. So we moved to this little tiny house on a little tiny farm, sharing rooms with like three siblings sort of thing in that room. I basically had to figure out something to keep me sane. So I started doing YouTube videos. I still have them. They're dumb. I mean, it's just like me going around the woods, filming stuff and then putting it to music, editing it and putting it to music and stuff. It was actually kind of fun. Right. And anyway, I met somebody on a there was a website back then called Daily Booth. This is a website where you take a webcam snapshot of yourself every day and then post like a, a catch uh, like a thing about it. And I got a pretty big following on Daily Booth. I don't know why I wasn't anybody interesting. I was living at home being a dumbass. You know what I mean? But I was reading every day. I was talking about all the stuff that I was interested in filming, video, creativity, reading, you know, all that type of stuff. And I met somebody on Daily Booth. It was a girl. And I actually was, my situation was so bad at my house, um, sharing room with siblings. My dad just had a heart attack. Um, my brother just went to prison for something I won't get into. It was just the worst possible scenario um, in this environment. Everybody was negative. Every, everybody was like, and it's the polar opposite to how it is now, right? The family is like complete and they all went through that and came out of it better. So like, but at the time, everybody was negative. Everything was extreme. I was suicide. Like everything was absolutely terrible. And I just knew I had to change. The pain of change was less than the pain of staying the same. Um, so I was like, man, I'll do anything. I didn't have any money. I didn't have much. I had a little HP laptop. And actually for Christmas, I got a like really old, old iMac, like a very, very old one. Um, but it but it was an iMac. And the reason I got it was because I wanted to be a developer. And to be a developer at the time, you have to have a Unix underpinning to your computer, which Mac's ha with Mac, which Mac has. So basically, um, you know, I met this person on Daily Booth. We developed a relationship and I was like, hey, this sounds crazy, but can we webcam your mom? And I webcam talked to my mom, to her mom. And I was like, hey, can I come stay at your place for a short period of time? And then we will figure out some way to get our, like, we'll figure something out. We won't be there forever, but can we please do that? She was hesitant, but I talked her into it somehow. This was in Wisconsin. So I'm in North Carolina, all the way in Wisconsin. So, so we got the approval from the mom. 
So I basically told my parents what was going on. I'm gonna be gone for the next few years trying to get, you know, start my life. Cause I was 25 at that was like 20, sorry, I was like 23 ish at that point. And I was just like, I hadn't even started my life. You, you know, you heard my story. I was the drug addict in high school. I was a drug dealer. It was a, it was not fun. And so I hadn't started a life at all, no life. Um, so I was like, I'm willing to do anything it takes to start a life. So the only thing I had was an iPad, Well, I got it for Christmas, like many years ago, the first generation iPad. So I sold that iPad for $600. It's the only money I had to my name. I didn't have a credit card. My credit was shot from when I got a car when I was 18 and destroyed my credit. So I only had the $600 and I got an Amtrak train ticket to Wisconsin. And I packed that iMac because that iMac was going to be how I was going to make money. Somehow that I knew I was going to use the computer to make money and the iMac allowed me to program and I knew I could make money. So I put it in this, I went to the thrift store and found a big suitcase that would fit it and it perfectly fit in. I put clothes all around it. And then I had another suitcase with clothes and books and um, that's it. And I bought this Amtrak train ticket. It was a three day train ride and I was carrying this iMac the whole way and, and the other suitcase, obviously. And you know, eventually I get there. I've never met this person in real life. It was a girl. I never met this girl in real life, but I just, I didn't care because I knew the pain of my situation I was coming from was way worse than whatever situation was happening here. Um, so I met her decent person, really cool. Um, we met at the train station, went back home to her house, kind of got unpacked, got unloaded, pulled out my iMac. And then I went down to pick up a sock and I threw my back out. And it was my first experience with sciatica because I was carrying the iMac for so long and I was holding it with one hand and I wasn't switching hands. Um, apparently it was an imbalance in my back, the nerve, the sciatic nerve, like my back went out. I couldn't even feel my legs. And so I had to go to the hospital. I mean, it was terrible. You're imagine the first day you show up to somebody's house you've never met before um, online, you, you know them, but you never met them. Um, and you've never met their family before. And their first experience with you is that you're at the hospital. Like it's not a good experience. Like that was not fun, but anyway, it ended up being okay. Um, they understood the sciatica, all that type of stuff. And so got back from the hospital. They gave me some like painkillers or something basically that helped me be able to stand and walk around slowly, but I couldn't really move off the bed where, um, like I could barely sit up. I could barely move for about a week and a half. Now I'm upstairs in this room. Um, there's a house down below. We're in Wisconsin, the middle of nowhere, Wisconsin, not a city, not Madison, middle of nowhere. Um, inside this house is the mother of the girl I'm staying with and her new boyfriend. Her new boyfriend turns out, we didn't know this, but he was literally psycho, psychotic. So if you dripped a drip and I'm not, I'm not exaggerating. If you dripped a drip of water on the floor in the bathroom, he would scream and yell and freak out and start throwing stuff. And, you know, I grew up in that type of environment. My dad throwing stuff, banging, punching walls and like trying to fight people like and hiding from him. Like I grew up in that environment. So I didn't want to be around that. So um, there was like literally the first, I, I started to see this behavior. It didn't really escalate right at first. At first it started small. He would like say things that were strange 
And, and then it escalated th three weeks later to the, to the boiling point. But at first I noticed the behavior, like he was saying weird things, like getting obsessed about small things that most people wouldn't get obsessed about or upset about. And I, in my head, I was like, okay, this isn't a viable place to live. This isn't a safe environment. So I basically used that time while I was bedridden from the sciatica. I had the lap that I pulled like a table up to the bed, put the big iMac up there. And I, you know, literally sent, I found a website called builditwith.me. I didn't know how to code. I never, co I programmed uh, calculators for my school when I was young. I programmed all the TI-83 plus calculators for a math competition in, middle, in high school, but like I've never done any JavaScript. I've never done any Ruby on Rails. I've read about it, um, but I just know how to learn, right? So I sent a email to every single person that said, I want to build an app or I have an idea. I sent an email to like 150 people saying, I will build your idea and I'm a freelance programmer and I've never programmed before. And I got two people. Um, one of them was uh, Max and Drew, and they wanted to build something called ShareSeeker. So this is basically an app where it allows you, this is before Airbnb. This is, or no, it was it was while Airbnb exist, existed, but this was to share anything, share your car, boat, house, pretty much anything. And at the time, um, it was a interesting idea. They wanted to, to build it really quickly. So they paid me 750 bucks and it was for the first two weeks of work. So I remember sitting on the bed three or four days after starting to send these emails and getting that $750 payment to my PayPal and being like, oh my God, I just made money from the my bed. Now I have to work on this website. And so I pulled up tutorials I teamtreehouse.com Ruby tutorials. I pulled up tutorials, how to build this. And I broke the app just like I teach you guys how to do, how I tell you to break apps into little sub components and then find tutorials that teach those and then use those tutorials to build that. That's what I did. And I built the app and he, they were and the, by the way, they both worked at eBay at the time. Later, Max went on to run growth at Udemy and later went on to run a huge conference series. Um, so that was successful. Like we launched the startup. It was like a kind of a prototype. It wasn't a full fledged design. There was no, I'm not a designer. Right. So they just wanted prototype tech and they were going to send it to a designer. So they paid me seven fifty. I think I got another payment too. And then at the end of that, we handed that app off and I was like, okay, this is cool. We can make some money here. Let's keep going. And I kept sending the emails, kept sending emails. Eventually I got in contact with a guy who responded for, for a company called Property Symphony. And this is basically a company where they want, they just, it was like real estate tech, everything that you could imagine that a real estate agent needs going into this, going into a house, having checklists, having an app on your tablet to blah, blah, blah. Just pretty much any, I'm not an expert in real estate, the everything you could imagine technically that a real estate agent could need on an app on your iPad. That's what it was. That's what he wanted. And so he actually got in touch with me. We got on the phone and I started saying, you know, just communicating like normal, like, yeah, great. Like talking about the idea, brainstorming solutions, brainstorming different implementation ideas, et cetera. And he actually wanted to bring me on board as far as payroll, like monthly, like weekly or biweekly payments, like an employee, not just a freelancer. Um, and it was not a, not a lot. It was like 500 or 750 every two weeks or something very small. Right. This is in 2011 or 2012, early 2012. And 
at the time, um, I that's exactly as soon as I got that gig and as soon as he signed me on for that payroll three weeks into this, that's when the boiling point hit where the guy um, that lit the psycho that was living at the house freaked out, started breaking doors down in the house to get to us. And I had to, you know, just he was trying to fight us. The cops got called. We both had to jump out of a window because he was trying to hurt us. And we jumped out the window. I know this sounds so dramatic. I, I'm not over. I'm not exaggerating. I'm just telling you guys the way it happened. Like, I'm not somebody that uh, loves to exaggerate. So, you know, we had to jump out of a window. Um, he was trying to hit us a little bit. I don't think he necessarily would have punched us or anything, but he was like breaking doors down to get to us. So just jumped out the window, walked down the road, caught, and then we waited for the cops to come. We walked back and the cops were like, okay, here's the situation. Um, you guys need to find a safe, a safe place to stay. And so there was an aunt of the girl that I was staying with that lived two towns over like 20 minutes away. And she had a basement. So we actually packed up every single thing the girl owns in her car and we drove her car to the aunt's house and put all of the shit in the basement. And then the whole goal in the basement was, I mean, I was working like 24 seven. I was working for that guy. I was also sending emails trying to um, get new clients and we were trying to find a, the guy actually lived in Chicago, the property symphony guy. He lived in Chicago. So I was also sending emails to um, apartment complexes and stuff in Chicago to see if we could rent an apartment. And it was really stressful because we only had like a week or two that we could stay with this aunt. And then we were homeless and effectively we were kind of, I mean, homeless, like, because we didn't have a place that we could go for certain. Um, so, you know, it, it it was very stressful. I mean, like to the point where I, would, I remember being up all night, every night, not sleeping much, just sending emails and talking on the phone with people and, you know, trying to figure out who can, who can, like, who will let us stay there? Is there a sublease or a sublet that we could do? And then talking, working on the app, obviously with this guy. And I didn't know how to do apps. So I was watching tutorial every free second I had, I was watching tutorials and it was just so much, but you know, I didn't, I didn't necessarily get overwhelmed. You know, this is something that I, I didn't feel the feeling of overwhelm. I, I just took it and I did, I just executed. I wasn't thinking, to be honest, I wasn't thinking a lot. Like there was, there wasn't a lot of thought going on. It was more like, okay, this needs to be done. Do it. This needs to be done. Do it. This is something I teach people now. Anyway, um, fast forward two weeks later, it was the last week we could stay at the house. We finally got, or, or fast forward a week and a half later, and we had another five or six days that we can stay with this aunt. She was pretty cool, but we only had a few more days we could stay maybe five or six, seven. And we found an apartment that might be able to let us rent a room there. We, we might be able to, and we, they wanted us to come see it. And we're in Chicago, we're in Wisconsin. Chicago was uh, about four hours away, south of us from where we're at in Wisconsin. So we book based on the month. We were, we were making money every two weeks from this guy, from freelancing and everything. So we had about you know, 1500 bucks, 2000 bucks to our name. So we booked an Airbnb, just a one room Airbnb for three days in Chicago. And then we got on a bus from Wisconsin to Chicago. So we took a bus from Wisconsin to Chicago and, and we, we got there, went to the Airbnb. Um, and we went to tour the, I'm just like, there's so many memories kind of like flooding into my head. I, I'm like hoping I'm telling this story. Well, 
It's just the, the way it happened, right? Um, we went to tour the apartment. We It was a $700 per month apartment, nothing fancy. You know, it was roach, cockroaches, like, but but hey, right? We were homeless. We needed someplace to stay. It wasn't the worst place. It was wood floors. You know, there was an AC, stuff like that. But it was, you know, there were cockroaches and stuff like that. But, it, you know, w- w- we cleaned it. You know, we did our best to clean it and we took care of it. And, you know, it was great. Um, and so we we did the whole Chicago experience. We ate deep dish pizza. You know, we traveled around. We met the guy, the guy that did the property symphony company. He lives in Chicago. That's why we were thinking about moving there. Also, it's a big tech city. I knew it was a big tech city. Um, so met with him, et cetera, et cetera. And then ended up going back, took the bus back up to Wisconsin and then finally got approved for that apartment. And then we rented a U-Haul, rented a moving truck, and we put everything that she owns in there. I didn't have any of my stuff. I just had the two suitcases and the iMac. And we drove it down to Chicago and we unloaded into the apartment. It was really crazy because like we were never, I've never driven in a city before. I didn't grow up in a city. So like people were honking their horns and like freaking out at me and all this type of stuff. Um, And it was uh, like absolutely insane. Like we had to push this. There was a winding staircase. We had to push our like, our bed mattress up this winding staircase. Anyway, we figured it out. It was all dirty. We had to clean. It was a crazy, crazy experience moving in and getting moved in. Once we got moved in though. Um, and we had a cat as well. Once we got moved in, then, uh, you know, effectively it was hit the ground running. The mindset was, okay, we're in Chicago. It's a tech city. Let's hit the ground running. She's doing her own thing. She's staying at home every day, playing world of Warcraft. She wasn't really super making, she wasn't making any money for us. She was kind of going through a depression and stuff like that. So let's not even talk about that, right? This is mostly focused on my story and what happened with me. Um, so my thought was hit the fucking ground running. So the day I got there, I started sending emails and responding to emails for web developer jobs. So I wanted to go get a job as a web developer because I was only making 500 bucks every two weeks or something. And I knew I could do that job and another job and like I could do multiple of these jobs because this is like bullshit that he didn't even like you know, this, these, whatever, it's, it's not that hard to code, right? Like coding takes not that much time to do nowadays. It's 2022 is much different than 2012. Right. So anyway, I went to my, I went, I got a call for an interview for a company called on call interactive. And, um, it was in downtown Chicago <laughs> And it was a 90 minute train ride. I was only seven miles. Uh, we were in Chicago. We had, our apartment was in the North side of Chicago. The South side is the dangerous part. So we were in the North side and it was an up and coming neighborhood, not a good neighborhood, but it took 90 minutes to get seven miles because I had to walk 1.7 miles to the train. It was the last stop on the train, the above ground train. And then it took about 60 minutes for the train to get into the city. And then I'd walk about 1.5 miles to the office downtown, deeper into downtown from that closest train station. And so it was a 90 minute, 80, hundred minute journey, roughly every day there, that were there and back hundred minutes there, hundred minutes back. But I loved it, honestly. So anyway, I went, I took the train, I went there. They said, um, come do the, do the interview. I've never done an interview before. Literally, I never done an interview, never did a web development interview, never did a technical interview. None of that. Um, I remember walking down the bridge of well, like the, the buildings here to the left and the bridge that I'm walking down is 
like this beautiful bridge and I see the place I'm supposed to go. Like the interview is in this building and it's this like brick building, kind of like light, like old school, small brick building, kind of an indie kind of company vibe, not a big corporate skyscraper, smaller building, but like brick real, like high, real nice, beautiful. This is award-winning agency. They had money. Um, and I remember thinking I, I could skip this interview and, and um, not go. I literally remember thinking I could, like, I'm scared. Fuck this. But then I, there was a thought that popped into my head and it was, um, what's the worst they could say? The worst thing that could happen is they say no. And I remember, I like to this day, I remember thinking the worst they could say is no. And I walked into that building and I went up there and did the interview and I wasn't super impressive, but the way I did that interview is how I teach others to do their interviews now. I was a freelancer switching to a, a, a specific skill set so I could focus on the craft because I'm a craftsman, blah, blah, blah. I had a system for how I did the interview. And now I teach that to people because it was so successful. Anyway, left the interview, met with a bunch of different people there, left the interview, got a call back the next day saying, we're good to go. We want to hire you. It was for a mid-level position. The word junior wasn't even in the title, but get this. Back then, it was $30,000 per year. That's it. But in my head, I knew it was better than the job I had now. It was an actual web dev job. Like, so I took it. Um, I started like the next day, like a few days later, the next Monday or whatever I started. Um, I remember like I showed up to work. There was all these people. It was like, a, I've never been in like a real professional environment. There was like five or six developers, a QA guy. There was like two product managers. And I still remember all the personalities. And one of the people that was a developer there, I'm still friends with to this day, Jake Downs. And I just remember like, you know, getting there and getting set up, getting my machine set up. Now, the funny thing was I never programmed a line of JavaScript in my entire life, right? They were hiring a web developer. It turned out to be front end, but back then they didn't say that. They just said web developer. I never programmed a line of JavaScript in my life, right? They... they I was the only front-end developer. None of the other web developers were front-end. All the other web developers were assigned to back-end projects, long-term back-end projects like McDonald's, MLB, stuff like that. This is an award-winning agency. They did work for a bunch of companies. So the reason they hired me was because they had a, a project called UBID, which is the second largest bidding site in the United States at the time uh, behind eBay. And it was uh, redeveloped, being redeveloped and redesigned from scratch. So their company was being tasked. It was a north of a million dollar contract to redesign and redevelop from the ground up the entire website. And you know how you've all heard the thing about like redevelops. It's bad to do a version two, stuff like that. And that's true. So um, I still remember the very first day that I was there, I was given like a task, like a bug to fix this bug. And I remember thinking, I don't actually know how to code JavaScript. So I asked one of the senior developers, I was like, hey, um, because I don't understand the environment, the developer tools, I don't understand anything about what's going on here, like the systems. I, I, under, I don't understand anything about like the, the internals of how you guys code. Can I, can I mirror you? Like, or can I shadow you? Like you fix this bug 
and then I'll, I'll fix another one, but you fix this bug and I'm literally going to pull up my chair and I'm going to shadow and observe everything you do. And he did. And he, I did. And he was funny. He, um, he was commenting while he was shadowed, while he was coding. I pulled my chair up, went to the left part of the, the built, like the little L shaped area, beautiful sh- downtown Chicago out this big window, brick wall behind us all around three developers here, two developers here. Right. I'm sitting behind him. He's commenting as he's changing code and he's in the term in the web uh, Chrome at uh, developer tools, right. Looking at error codes for JavaScript. And he says, do you know what this means? And he goes, of course you do. If you're not, if you wouldn't know what that means, you'd be fired. And he just laughed. And I was like, I laughed too. I didn't know what it means. I never coded a line of JavaScript. Right? <laughs> and so anyway, I shadowed him and I, I, I learned, right. You learn. I mean, dude, like we have a supercomputer in our brain, the supercomputer in your brain allows you to learn and do things that you never thought you could do before. It's more advanced than a supercomputer. And I know that I'm not an idiot. I know we can learn shit. So I watched what he did. I learned it and I started doing it and I started fixing bugs and grew and grew and grew and started adding JavaScript test suites. And over the few weeks added like literally started redeveloping the front end, added a new front end framework, moved from Angular to Backbone JS. I built out my own custom implementation of Backbone JS, my own design patterns for how to use Backbone. Um, I did, I developed like this whole system for how I like to do front end from scratch within months. I've never, I'd never done it before. Um, and at about the three month mark there are 90 days. Yeah. Three months, 90 day check-in. There was like every employee, when you're hired at that company, you have a 90 day check-in with your, the COO Dima, um, who's still like an awesome woman. And she pulled me into her office and she was like, we're so like amazed at how much ownership you've taken. And we threw you into the deep end of the largest project we've ever worked on. And, you know, and I'm not saying this to brag because like, I'm not that great. Right. I'm just saying, cause this is what happened. And then, um, she gave me a $30,000 raise. This is not, again, I'm not exaggerating. I'm not making this up. It's just the way it happened. So, I didn't know how to code JavaScript when I started. I modeled and, and learned on the job and I was, I actually executed it. I didn't fake it, fake it till you make it's wrong. Do it, learn it, then do it. Like I learned it and then I did it and people were impressed and they gave me a raise from 30 to 60 K per year. She was like, we, we hired you at the wrong level. Like you're nearly senior. Or, or she, you know, she didn't really know what these terms meant. She's a chief operating officer, right? In 2012, this isn't the same as it is now. Um, so she gave me that raise 30 to 60 K. And I remember it was like such an incredible moment. And we like it, that what, what sucks though, is that you bid project, that project ended up not working out. Like you all have heard, um, when people try to redevelop a big complicated application from the ground up, oftentimes it doesn't work out. And that happened there. Um, so for instance, like the develop, the lead backend developer was kind of an alcoholic. He would come in drunk and stuff. And it, we had to hire backend consultants, like backend consultants would come in and try to like, it was real complicated C sharp, uh, .NET backend with a backbone front end. So I was the one, I was the only one doing the front end, the only one touching it, but everything about the back end kept getting more complicated, more complicated. Eventually the project actually folded or the project actually failed. 
And eventually when it failed, I got moved on to another project. So I did a, I did like four or five different projects before I left that agency. I did a Valentine's memory matching card game for the Hallmark channel. So it was like 80s television shows like Archie Bunker's wife and you match like the wife, the husband and wife. So you'd match the happy days husband with the happy days wife. And it was a, that memory matching game where you click the card, it flips over and then it flips back. You click the card, it flips over and then it flips back. And I did that. And that was super fun. That was like the most fun thing. I did it from scratch, built a whole JavaScript state management system. Like it was just the most fun thing I've ever done at the time. Right. And then we worked on a website for major league baseball for the corporate office, worked on a change.org website. We worked on a, some other nonprofit, um, some other nonprofit thing as well. And a bunch of other stuff like that. We worked on a few like kind of rapid fire because at that point we had become so proficient with backbone. The company implemented my backbone framework as how to implement backbone on complex web apps. And so we were just able to crank through these projects using backbone as the frame. Um, and that was actually really fun. Then, um, at that point I decided to start looking for jobs elsewhere because I was like, you know what? I've been here for a while and I know I can make more money somewhere else. So this isn't the limit to what I can do. And so I basically started doing interviews for all these other companies. Um, I eventually got hired at another company called FUDA that was doing meal prep uh, technology for companies. And they worked out of this big, big building in Chicago there's a name for it that I forget, but it's where Groupon was. Groupon was originally housed in this big, gigantic building in downtown Chicago that was all startups. There was like 100 startups in this building. VCs were in the building. It was a full startup building, like food for startup. It was like everything about it was startups. And the, te- the, the companies all had like shared space with all the other companies. So there's like hundreds of companies on one floor, and you know some stuff like that. It was absolutely mind blowing. I'd never been in an environment like that. So anyway, I went from 60k to 75k. Not a huge jump, but I was a front end developer. So I went from 60k to 75k. At that company, they were building their product in C sharp. And by this point, I was actually becoming like a Ruby on Rails fanatic at home. So at home, while these other jobs, these day jobs were taking place, I was doing client work. So while I was doing all of these day jobs, the Hallmark Channel, the UBID, all that stuff, when I would come home and over the weekend, um, I would do Ruby on Rails websites for startups. And I did like 60 of them or something like that. It was just a tremendous number of them. I did a ton. That's how I made all the money for Christmas, all the money for us to track. Like I, literally, that's how I made all the extra money because I needed new computer. My um, The girl needed stuff. Like that's how we were able to afford a lot of stuff, right? Because that, if you think about it, when I was getting paid 30K, that's really not that much. So before I got that raise to 60K, like I needed something else. At one point, I had five clients. So my day job and then four other clients. So that's five. I guess you could call that five clients. So um, I was building a JavaScript framework for somebody. I was building a website for the agricultural industry, job board for the agricultural industry. I was building um, the Hallmark Channel website for the, the day job. 
And then there's something else. There's some other stuff. But I remember at one point I had five like gigs in parallel and it wasn't that bad. I mean, honestly, this shit takes like an hour a day. You could work on a project an hour a day if you want or to it. You pick however much you work on it. And this is how I was able to save up the, the first time I ever in my entire life. The first time I ever saved up 20 K was in this, was doing that. So as I'm moving to FUDA, as I'm getting paid 75 K now, I'm still got all these clients and I'm still saving up money, saving up money, 10 K 12 K. And I never had any money in my entire life ever. Like my parents were successful, but they didn't give us any money. Like we had to go work jobs. I was a pizza delivery driver and I sold drugs. Um, nothing crazy, just weed, um, which is dumb. But anyway, I was saving up, saving up. And I didn't know why I just like felt this urge. Like I should, I need to save money for some reason. And I got up to 20 K and it was the first time I ever had that much. And I was at FUDA. Um, and it was, dude, FUDA was the most fun. They were at, they were on a .NET C sharp stack. And I actually pitched them to switch to Ruby on rails and through my, my ability to persuade, we hired a, a consultant to help us. A Ruby on Rails consultant that I managed, and I was just a simple front end developer, but I was leading the change from C sharp to Ruby on Rails, and I was managing the interaction with the consultant. And um, I mean, it, it was just such an incredible experience. Like I got to kind of lead the change in the organization, and now the company is still on Ruby on Rails. It's still a successful startup, and I think I'll attest like the fact that they moved from C sharp to Ruby on Rails as to how they've been able to pivot and iterate so quickly in the market, they're still successful so many years later. Anyway, after that, um, that's when I found the TechCrunch article about the Presidential Innovation Fellows. It was like, uh, it was three, four, five months into, it was, uh, albeit pretty quick, three, four, five months into that gig at FUDA, commuting to that building, that fucking energy, the energy of that incredible building, like people all like this guy next to me with 12 screens, like just the craziest shit I've ever seen. Right. Um, <laughs> like it just, we were laughing so much. We would literally go into a meeting and just laugh. I mean, it was, it was just the most fun, man. It was so relaxed. We got work done. You know, if you get work done, like who cares how, like if you laugh, you know, back then it was more chill. And I saw that article about the presidential innovation fellows. I thought, well, I'm not qualified for this, but I, for some reason, I, it was back then I had this mindset of apply to everything, apply to everything, apply to everything, accept everything until you can't. And um, I got a callback for an interview, a video interview. And I remember I was working at food. I had to step out and go over to um, a side room and do the interview on video. And I remember it was uh, the team that I ended up working with at the state department for the innovation fellows program. Cause the teams were interviewing who they thought would be a good fit. And um, uh, they, I could like, I'm not making this up, but I could tell in the interview, they were so impressed by my background because I had worked on projects for Hallmark Channel, McDonald's, like MLB, all these huge names, and then you bid, and then they saw my resume. I had that story that I was never programmed JavaScript before and learned it, got this, like I had the story that I just told y'all, I put that in my cover letter, you know, so everybody could see it. And I could tell they were like fairly impressed. They were like, ob they were just saying words like, obviously your background is so 
impressive, but do you like this? Do you like starting brand new projects? And I was telling them, man, I love starting brand new projects. I do freelance work with clients. And my favorite thing is to start a new pro and that it wasn't a lie. Like I never lied about anything. If I told somebody, I don't know, like, here's the thing, right? If somebody asks me, do I know JavaScript? I'm not going to say no, because I can learn JavaScript tonight. Like it's not that fucking complicated guys in 2022. It's more complicated back then in 2013. This shit isn't that complicated guys. You could learn it. I could learn. I'm not going to discount myself. So I didn't lie about anything ever. And yes, here's the deal, right? If I said, I don't know how to do JavaScript and they hired me and I got fired, this wouldn't be a YouTube story. This would be, I failed. I'm a, I'm a failure everybody hates me. Like that would be a different story, but I got a $30,000 raise. So what the fuck do you think? Can you do that? You can do that too. I'm not that smart. Anybody could do that. So in the interview, I'm, I'm like picking up on like the fact that they're like fairly impressed here. And I'm just like, get, I'm really good at soft skills. I have great people skills. I have great communication skills. It's one of my, like one of my, um, you know, trademark skills. And they quit the, 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 the like web, the video interview is my first time ever using video, like interviews or whatever, um, that we dropped that. And then a few days later I got the call and they were like, Hey, we would like to hire you for, um, and they were like, I'm sorry to tell you, I know that you're probably getting paid 160 K. Um, we can only pay you 90,000 per year would you still accept this job? And they didn't know that I was only making 75K because they assumed I was so senior that I was making 160. And I was like, yeah, I'll accept that. And it was, so it was still a raise for me, right? I got the document, the PDF and everything that I got hired for the White House Presidential Innovation Fellows, went back and my, the girl I was living with, like the person I met on the internet, she like, couldn't believe it. Like, she was like, is this for real? Like she, it was like, it's one of those moments where you're like, what the fuck? How is this actually real? Um, and, you know, got on a call with the team, like got on a call at, you know, just like to meet them and, and man, I'm not going to go into the let's pause here. So we'll do the next YouTube video on DC, what it was like in DC, all that type of stuff, presidential innovation fellows at the white house, state department, all that stuff. And then maybe that video will also include what happened next, moving to Santa Barbara, working in um, the front end development for a big company again. And then the next video after that, I'll probably go into moving to Ithaca and then the whole mid-roll stitcher journey of uh, becoming a technical founder, a mid-roll exiting for, you know, all that stuff. So that whole journey will probably be video three. And then that'll probably segue into the next video, which would be all my current stuff. So I don't want these to be too long. This is a long video. It's a lot of stuff to say, but let me know if you're, if this is interesting, if you found any value in this, let me know if you, if you thought this was really stupid and you thought my storytelling was not that great, let me know um, in the comments, just say, Hey man, um, you know, you, your storytelling was kind of dry or kind of dull. I didn't really feel like I was there. Like I want to improve this. I I've not, I'm not a storyteller. I do not tell stories. Like it's something I'm trying to improve. So please give me like honest feedback and critiques if you have it. Um, and just let me know. All right. I will see you in the next video. Cheers.